Yo, let me tell you, I love Kelly Clarkson. So if someone came up to me and started talking shit about Kelly Clarkson, my first reaction might be to karate chop this person in the throat. But hey, if I value perspective and I value connectivity, my inner voice better show up for me so that I can reflect before I act. So I can ask myself, do we want to say that? You sure you want to you sure you want to do that? Because I don't want to just react on pure impulse because that's not me. I want to make sure that I can show that my values are almost used as a tool for self-control. My name is Jordan Bishop. Welcome to the Embrace Yours Truly podcast. This is a podcast that will challenge and expand your connection with yourself. It's designed to cultivate the practice of getting to know yourself. I consider myself an avid learner of the human experience and the process of self-exploration, which by trade took me into the field of coaching and landed me in college basketball. For the last eight years, I've studied the human mind where I found a passion in how people work and how we develop the sense of self. My ultimate goal with launching this podcast is to help you become more aware of the purpose in your emotions and get in tune with your inner dialogue and then thrive in the investment that you make in yourself by doing so. Now, I will say to make sense of our emotional tendencies, provoked thoughts, and really just the complexity of our human experience, this requires you to show up with four things. And that's courage, curiosity, vulnerability, and honesty. So if you want to do that, if you're willing to do that, let's dive into the version of you that only you know. I am so excited to talk about this topic because using our own voice to get us moving, to get us excited, to get us through the not so fun parts of life is so undervalued. So, you know, we are so good at giving others advice or encouraging a friend who's iffy about taking action, you know, sending the text, going on the date, trying a new dance move. We offer our support in time of need for others. It's like we have a reflex to say, you got this, you deserve it. But the question is, why don't we do that for ourselves? Right? Our self-conversations are normally a lot more negative um, compared to the advice that we offer to a friend. And I don't know why, but we're self-defeating. We're self-justifying in nature. Like we constantly scrutinize ourselves, and maybe we're just so used to it that we don't even notice it anymore. Like, let's use the sending a text to someone that we're interested in getting to know, right? The process of what normally happens, right? There's four things that normally happen. It's we have a fact, there's an opinion, there's judgment, and then anxiety. So fact, y'all exchange numbers. Opinion, I could see us going on dates, hanging out, being a cute couple. Then the judgment comes in. They're probably not that into me. Why am I thinking about us being a couple? Then the anxiety kicks in. Fuck it. I'm not sending a text. Like, what? Why do we do this to ourselves? Like, if you're going to be your own biggest critic, you should also be your own biggest fan. Not in a aggressive pursuit of everything is awesome type of way. Because at some point, like, you're going to feel not so awesome, which trying to convince yourself that everything is awesome when things suck is not helpful. But by keeping perspective that you simply have to show up for yourself when you should, by taking a more open approach to your life with enthusiasm and towards your own preferences, limitations, and judgment, 
So our episode topic is why you should be your own biggest fan. And so why should you be your own biggest fan? You got friends for that, right? Well, we're actually going to talk about two very specific reasons why you have to be your own biggest fan first before anybody else ever comes into the picture. So we're going to talk about it in terms of um, having a value system and creating a mental attitude towards how you show up. So if you haven't gathered yet, we aren't talking about anything surface level here. So we are going to go straight into having a value system and why it's important. So keeping perspective on what we value helps us weigh our worth on a much more accurate scale. You know, without really knowing what you stand for, what's important to you, like it's so easy to get caught up in what everybody thinks about you and how they think our life should be. It's not letting anything that you don't genuinely value drive your actions into doing something or feeling a certain way. Like, if you don't value the fact that, like, you stepped out of your comfort zone and you tried something, then you might, like, really struggle when you, when you try and you fail or you try and you're not happy with what happened. Like, if you value trying, it doesn't matter what the result was. It really doesn't. And the value in terms of comparison is bitch. And it's really hard to get away from because that is a very circling thought cycle. You ever think about, you ever tell yourself, like, why is this taking me so long? If I was smarter or if I was as smart as her, I'd be able to do it faster. Why compare your life to somebody else's life? I don't understand why we do that because it makes you miserable. Like it doesn't, it's not a motivational thing. Like, yeah, if you have like a mentor or like a marker of like, I want to, I want to have a life similar to them and you actually understand what it takes to get there, that is different. But comparing where you are to somebody else, wherever they are in the social scale, that is going to make you miserable. And that's why having a value system that we can weigh others' opinions to what we actually find important to our life. The reality of it is, people don't know you. The parts of you that you show still might not even be how people see you. Um, My point is, other people's perspective of you is going to be biased anyways. And it's biased because they see you how they choose to. Whatever expectations, family or friends or whoever put on you, that doesn't affect you when you have your own standards for yourself. But what does affect you is when you aren't living up to those standards that you have set for yourself. It's like getting a bad review on a paper or a presentation. It doesn't define you. It doesn't mean you're a screw up. In actuality, it actually, it could serve you well to reflect on why you didn't do so hot on that paper or presentation. Like asking yourself, okay, what's true about this situation? Maybe you didn't prep well for the exam. So the grade accurately reflects on your preparation. Like maybe you didn't know the information. Doesn't mean you're a bad student. Maybe you were all up in your head during the presentation saying, I can't do this. I'm going to embarrass myself. It's in these examples, like if you value how you prepare for things, we can evaluate that. And that can be a benchmark for how we show up to ourselves in the future. Like if you value confidence, maybe the next presentation that you have in front of your bosses or teacher or what have you, that's going to be the next place that you really tap into showing up to yourself and demonstrate confidence in yourself. 
Let me actually give you a different direction with this. Let's look at this from a conversational standpoint, because this is something that we all can relate to. Think about a time when you were in a conversation with someone and they just say something dumb to you and you look at them all cross-eyed and you feel yourself getting fueled with frustration, but you tell yourself, nope, not going to do it, not going to argue with him, not going to waste my energy on this. And you make the choice to not say the first thoughts that came to your mind, or you make the choice to just walk away. It's in the moment where we made the choice not to say what we were thinking that I want to talk about here. Right in between that, right in between that moment where you like, when you look at them cross-eyed, it's in that moment we have a choice. React in a way that aligns with our values or react in a way where our values are not on our mind and simply act out of impulse. So some of the things that I value in myself and in other people are perspective, connectivity, and realness. And I was thinking about who is somebody that I look up to that exemplifies this. And the first person that comes to mind is Kelly Clarkson. And not even trying to be, not even trying to be funny. Like, yo, let me tell you, I love Kelly Clarkson. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened. I don't know when it happened, honestly. I love her music, her story, her new talk show, just her passion for people and obviously her voice. Like she is someone I have so much admiration for. Um, She's also someone who I really do believe exemplifies uh, many of the values that I have for myself. My point with this is like a conversation that would test me if I would actually check in with my values before I respond to somebody. If somebody came up to me and was talking shit about Kelly Clarkson and now knowing that I feel so strongly about Kelly Clarkson, (laughs) my first reaction might be to karate chop this person in the throat. For just speaking this way about Kelly Clarkson, like the audacity that you have to speak about her like that, the initial response would be to just defend her honor, right? Like, Like I might even go as far as to start downgrading the person themselves for having the thoughts that they had, right? And let's, let's pause there. Because if I get wrapped up in this impulse to say what I want to say and to feel what I want to feel, which is this overly anger impulse that comes over me, like if I get wrapped up in this impulse, I'm probably going to say things just so mindlessly and I'm probably going to regret it. The regret would come from acting in a way that doesn't align with my actual values, which like I said, I value perspective, connectivity, and realness. So If those are things that I actually value, like I'll listen to the other person's perspective and actually have a rational conversation that we might end up agreeing to disagree, but that doesn't change my values, right? Like, but if I know my value, I can have that conversation. I might still leave the conversation thinking that the person I'm talking to is an asshole, but I have the choice to be flexible in allowing myself to gain a new perspective of how the other person might actually be feeling. And maybe it's as simple as like, they don't like her music. Maybe they liked her old music. They don't like her new music. That's okay. But that's not really the point. The point is, do I have the ability to self-reflect and not be sucked in by my initial thoughts or reaction that I want to give? The reality of it is, we can have difference in opinions and I can have strong values towards something and I don't have to catch a major defense attitude towards this person because that's not going to get me anywhere because by the end of it not thinking and speaking words with intent I might regret some of the things that I say and I'm not going to like I said I'm not going to regret it 
because I caught an attitude or because um, we disagreed, I'm going to regret it because things that I could say and the emotion that I let take over my body in this conversation probably doesn't align with what I actually value. So I'm not holding myself to that standard. And my point is that like this is where you show up to yourself by holding yourself accountable for what you value and how you're going to express that into the world and especially in conversation with other people. Sometimes we can just have conversation without having intentional thought attached to it. Like that's that's fine. That's not what I'm saying. But in situations where like we end up arguing with somebody, it's like in those moments, even when we're overly excited, like when we're just reacting out of emotion, we're going to wander in that conversation without any purpose. Like you ever been in a conversation where you're just so mad and you leave that conversation like, why the hell was I even that mad? Like we just argued to argued. And this is the type of shit that takes us looking in the mirror and having a real conversation with ourselves about what the hell we're doing. Because we do need to check in with ourselves before we express an emotion or a thought that we may regret and be like, hey, bro, you're good. You don't need to say that. Or, hey, you're better than that. Or, hey, remember, you know, you value perspective. That's what we decided. That's what we're going to go with. You need to sit here and listen and without prejudgment being attached to that. And this actually blends perfectly into our second topic of developing a mental attitude that we choose to show up with. And it's showing up to ourself and showing up to the circumstances that we are in. And I think of this in in two forms, right? I think of it in a progressive and a regressive state. So with a progressive or regressive mental attitude is going to clearly show through everything that we do. Like if we are more progressive, we're going to work in a state that shows that we're in progress towards what we're going to. And if we're in a regressive state, we're probably going to fall behind a lot more often, or we're going to be stuck in a way that we just can't get away from. And the reality of our feelings really is simple. We all have emotions. There are more emotions that are categorized as negative than there are positive, like it's inevitable. That's just the reality of what is. So why not make room for each of our emotions? Like why keep fighting our anger or our fear? Like there's no need for that. Like emotions are there to be used, right? So what can you learn from emotions as they surface? How can they, how can you use it? And I think a really cool way to look at this is looking at our mental attitude in our dream world in how we progress or regress our decision making in our dreams, paying attention to where we get stuck. I think that's a really cool, interesting place to look at. In the dream world, this is a very creative space of how we choose to make decisions. It's if we're going to go back to a way that we've known to work in the past, or if we can tap into a space where, okay, that didn't work. That was a past action that I'm used to. Can I try it a different way? A dream that used to make me so mad was where I got stuck in a state of just complete fear and confusion that I just like could not escape from. And it was a dream where I was legit in a brawl with somebody else. And there's a moment where I realize my punches, the punches that I'm throwing have no power behind them. And then it almost like goes into slow motion and I get pissed that I can't hit harder. Like I can't make contact. The moment where I get stuck comes from my mental approach to the situation. I'm trying to problem solve in ways in which I've understood to work in the past. I'm relying on habit. 
and which habits can absolutely serve us well, but they can also hinder us for this specific example. Like it limits our ability to see a different way of doing things like, which is why I think the dream world is such a cool lens to look at our mental attitude because in the dream state, this is a creative space where endless possibilities could happen that we that we actually don't get in real life. We could fly, we can shrink people, we can be superhuman. We can do all these things in the dream world. But even in that state, when we're in a situation where we're trying to problem solve, we still get stuck because we're so narrowed in on habit. It hinders our ability to like zoom out and almost be like a fly on the wall looking in on the situation, looking in on the fight, right? And looking in on what we're being faced with instead of focusing so hard on what we can't do. Why don't we look at what we can do? And maybe just switching my viewpoint of how I'm looking at the situation is going to help me problem solve better. Like maybe the simple fact of just acknowledging that I can't hit harder and I'm scared enables me to shrink the person that I'm fighting. Like shrink them, put them in a box and then kick the box like we're in Space Jam and they go flying. And my point with this is like understanding that we have the ability to progress our thinking rather than just default back into what we know and regress back into something that doesn't work. There's no room to actually move forward with a different creative um, headspace. So moral of the story, stop throwing punches, zoom out and move forward with a more creative solution. And to take this in a different direction in sport, the mental attitude of athletes and coaches is normally towards our individual talents or abilities. And normally it's lasered in on reaching the end result, which is score the ball, hit the ball, win. And the mental struggle I think every competitive athlete and coaches run into is what we do when we don't get the result that we want. And on a much larger scale, Susan David, who is a phenomenal human being, she's one of the world's leading management thinkers, and she's an award-winning Harvard Medical School psychologist. And In her book, Emotional Agility, she wrote a line in there that just was freaking mic drop for me (laughs) right when I read it. And it says, there's a misconception that you need to be tough on yourself to maintain your edge. And I could do a full season on this topic (laughs) because that's a, that's such a true statement. And that's not, that goes well beyond athletics. That's a leading thought that we have in life. Like, As humans, we have this thought that we have to be tough on ourselves in order to do anything, in order to get anything that we want. Like we do see this in athletes all the time. We see this in academics. We see this at the corporate level. We see this in our own household. You know, as humans have evolved, we've trained our thinking to be our own biggest critic to get what we actually want in life. That which creates like us jumping to split decisions And ultimately just acting on impulse of the things that we know and are familiar with, which we think that makes us tough. False. It makes us miserable when we fail. And if you've had this thought, like, you're human. She also wrote about people who accept failure are more motivated to improve. And maybe if you are a person who's tough on yourself and you're go, 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 maybe you're like, what the hell? How? But let's simplify that. When we stop attacking ourselves, when we are already beaten down after rep after rep of doing something to get it right, we're more capable to see ourselves more clearly and accurately. It's because like we aren't lasered in on do it again, be better, be stronger, work longer. It actually gives us a chance to breathe 
and accept that we failed. And it's an opportunity, it's a benchmark to raise our game, essentially. In this case, like we're not winning. We need to get back to being a winner. And where we falter is in our awareness towards developing a mental attitude that's towards enjoying the process as we are trying to achieve the end result rather than just so lasered in on the end result itself. And this is where being your own biggest fan comes into play. Like athletes don't get to have high shooting percentages, high batting averages, stand on the big stage, cut down the net, like win without investing in themselves time and time again. And this helps us stay in a space where we're challenging who we were the day before. And in doing this, we're creating resiliency in ourselves. Like we're trying to be better than the previous rep. And that's motivation. This perspective takes the pressure off of getting it right, getting the win, making the shot. When there's focus in the process and clear work that's being put in, the end result that we want naturally will follow, or we're going to get really close to it. Say, like, let's look at, let's look at a basketball player. If a basketball player has a mental attitude that's progressive, the countless shots that they take that's guarded or unguarded that, you know, they're taking at a game pace, they're doing so to build consistency of making those shots in a game, obviously. But when she's putting in the reps, she's not focused on the shots that aren't falling because that's going to set back her mental approach. She's focused on the shots that she is making. Because that makes the game shot so much more satisfying when we don't have, when we make the shot and we're not like, whew, thank goodness I made that shot. Or like wishing and hoping that the shot goes in, like that's the difference. Because there's a clear acceptance that the chances of that shot going in is greater than it not going in. And the attitude stems from the rehearsal and repetition that aligns with being a progressive achiever. So to recap, staying accountable for what we find important does stem from having a clear value system set in place for yourself and developing a mental attitude towards how we show up to our lives is really how I believe we can start being our own biggest fans. And I want to do almost a bonus round to being your own biggest fan because I think there's another layer of this, which the power of giving yourself permission to change is where I want to go with the bonus round. So that's going to be in the next episode. Um, that might be, in my head, the permission to change is kind of the awakening aspect of the depths of how important it is to be there for yourself. So yeah, we're going to do that. That's going to be the next episode. So that does it for this second episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be sure to go subscribe and leave a rating or a review as this is a new podcast. So if you enjoyed it, tell a friend about it. And be sure to check out the next episode as it is a spinoff of this episode where I'm going to share the power of giving yourself permission to change and why it's so, so important to continue to show up for yourself. (sighs) 